0: Hey, folks, Eric from Hit Subscribe, and um, I am back with yet another edition of the Freelancer Q&A Facebook Live that we've been rolling along with here for, gosh, a number of months now. Um, Anyway, I got another interesting one for you here. Um, I won't read the detailed specifics, but basically the question is just, uh, when should I hire help in some capacity? Like, when is the time for... um, a freelancer to essentially pay other people out of the proceeds of the freelancing service to do other things. Um, And this is kind of an interesting question, um, open-ended in some sense. And I I think like a little bit indicative of uh, a fallacy of thinking that I'll get to a little bit later. Um, That fallacy being that there's like some time where you're mature enough or whatever um, to start paying other people as if you were like, unlocking levels in a video game. And I think a lot of people think that way a little bit too much, you know, at the risk of going on a rant, especially when you have platforms like Upwork or whatever that are like, you know, uh, do all your things, get your profile right and blah, blah, blah. Um, So anyway, uh, I don't think there's an easy answer to this question, but I'll give you some heuristics and some thoughts and and personal experience here. Um, So before going any further, let's make two or let's divide the kind of hiring you might do into two buckets. One of those buckets is a lot more straightforward and easy to reason about, and that is the idea of subcontracting. Um, and then the other thing that I'll get to a little later is the idea of hiring for overhead. Um, now, here's what the difference is. If you're a freelancer, like let's say you um, you know, do graphic design or something, and um, somebody approaches you with a project, it's larger than the kind of project you might normally take on. In fact, it's so large that you bring in Um, another graphic designer, and you take a little bit of cut off the top, margin this is called, um, to help you with this work. So this is what's known as subcontracting, and the key thing to think about here, to ask yourself when it comes to uh, whether you're in a subcontracting situation or not, is, um, is the person you're paying to do work creating revenue for your practice. So if you're a graphic designer and you take on work that's enough work for two graphic designers, you go out and rope a colleague in and you're both doing some work, and you're taking a bit of a cut, um, ideally over the top, you probably don't want to just do that project management for nothing. Um, That's revenue generating, so you're getting twice as much revenue as you would uh, by yourself, because you have another person that's doing the revenue. Uh, So subcontracting is, in a sense, pretty easy to reason about when to hire for. It's simply when somebody's trying to get you to do more work than you can take on, or they want you to do a project for part of which you aren't an expert. So um, as a quick example of this that just came up literally today, um, hit subscribe does um, general written content for our clients. Somebody was interested in um, a service wherein we might take some of the written content and produce a video based on that. That isn't what we do, but um, I have been in contact with somebody who does that. So we might bring that person in to do that work as a subcontractor of hit subscribe, even though it isn't what we do as a business. And you would do something like that where the client doesn't wanna deal with a bunch of individual freelancers. Um, They might just wanna deal with one vendor uh, and that would be you. So the metaphor here is to think of like a housing general contractor. You deal with one person on your project and you don't wanna go out and hire the electrician and the plumber and all this stuff. So you have that general contractor who figures out the details with subcontractors. So basically, when should you hire subcontractors? Well, number one, you want to be comfortable doing that. And number two, you want to make sure you're set up to do that. So when you start taking on subcontractors, you have to do certain things. If you're in the U.S., for instance, with the IRS, um, you have to send those people 1099s. It's not the most complicated thing in the world, but it's more complicated than you just, you know, doing business for yourself. And in uh, videos that I've talked about before, I'll have a link uh, for this on YouTube. we are I kind of um, got into some of the details about whether you want to be a sole proprietor or whatever. Um, you taking on subcontractors is a situation where you definitely want to start uh, being formal as a business. So it is kind of a level of complexity, a little bit of a level of risk um, compared to just being an indie solo person. Um, but you know it's not that big of a deal. So I would look at it and say, number one, do you feel uh, comfortable with your business? starting to operate in a somewhat different way because you're starting to build a little bit of an agency. Uh, Number two, Do you um, want to be an agency owner? Because as soon as you do that, your job goes from a technician doing graphic design or software engineering or whatever. uh, Now you start to become an agency owner slash project manager slash managing director. And so you're negotiating rates with your subcontractors. uh, You're responsible for their deliverables. So you you don't just get to point at them if they don't deliver and blame it on them to your client. So you want to give some thought to... What does your future look like? Do you want to grow into being an agency owner? Now, there can be situational circumstances where you just you know have one one-off piece of business that's too much for you, bring in a friend, great, you're done, and then you just go back to life as normal. That is an option, but usually if you start subcontracting, you're setting yourself on the path to building an agency. So uh, really, the question of when should you hire on the subcontracting, on the revenue-generating side, is a function of your comfort level um, and kind of where you want your future to be. Um, If you are comfortable with it, it can be a no-brainer in the sense that you're going to get more revenue and even more profit because you're not going to pay, you're going to take some kind of cut. And um, don't feel bad about that. So if I'm a service provider writing software and I go out and I sell a piece of business to a client, Um, and then I bring you in as a subcontractor, I'm entirely justified in taking a cut for a few different reasons, one of which is that's my relationship. That was my sales process. Uh, It was me that found and sold the business, and that is a real legitimate cost that the subcontractor didn't have to bother with. It is also me that handles that account management, the relationship and everything. Again, the subcontractor doesn't need to do that. Um, I am managing the uh, invoicing and all of those types. So, There um, are business overhead operations, which I'll get to in a moment here, that you are doing that the subcontractor doesn't have to do. So you can decide what kind of margin you want to take off the top of your subcontractor work, usually, People that just start subbing things out will just take keep 10% or something kind of low. And then as you get more established and you own more processes and are more buttoned up, that margin typically gets larger. But it'll really be kind of a function of you negotiating with those subcontractors. But definitely don't take nothing because you'll start winding up doing project management work and incurring cost and overhead, and you might pay the subcontractor quicker than you get paid. And all of that has real economic value that you don't just want to punt on for nothing. So definitely do take a cut if you're subcontracting work. Um, Okay, so that brings me to part two. Part one, subcontracting work um, is on the revenue side. The second part is overhead, and that's on the cost side. And this is a trickier question, and I'll I'll frankly say that I hear a lot of kind of bad advice about this. Usually when people get into freelancing and they join masterminds or something, they'll hear advice like, you know, outsource anything that isn't your superpower or some kind of like – you know, simplistic aphorism like that. And that isn't a good piece of advice. This isn't, again, I alluded to this earlier, but you're not playing a video game where you you unlock an achievement when you hire somebody. Um, And I'll especially hear people kind of go back and be like, well, I hired this virtual assistant or whatever, and oh, my life has never been better. Like, well, that's cool, but as a piece of advice, that doesn't mean that if I'm following your advice, that's going to work out for me. So there is um, some nuance to when you want to hire. And, The North Star that I'll offer for that decision is basically this, uh, and this is I'm going to try to say this as clearly as possible, but it's a little complicated. Um, You want to hire someone when you're backfilling something that you're doing, and the amount of money that you'll be able to earn, the amount of revenue that you'll be able to earn in your freed up time is greater, more revenue than what you're paying to backfill that role for yourself. Now, that's a little hard to take in, so let me give you an example. Let's say that I was, um, back in the day when I was doing my indie consulting management practice, let's say, say that I were super inefficient at bookkeeping and I was spending five hours a week. on like invoicing and keeping up with my books and, and all this type of stuff. Um, so that's five hours every week that I'm not billing um, if I were charging hourly at, say, $200 an hour. So if I were to free up those five hours per week and be able to make them billable, that's $500 a week or you know, a little over $2,000 a month if you advertise the months correctly. So say $2,300 a month is what I'm freeing up if I do that, uh, $2,200 anyway. Now, if for that $2,200, you know, I have to do some assessment there of can I actually get those five billable hours each week, but let's say that I could. So at 2200 a month, as long as the bookkeeping that I'm hiring is less than $2,200 a month, then just the basic P&L... Um, so like revenue minus cost is your profit, my uh, profit is increasing because, sure, I'm taking on a $500 a month expense for the bookkeeper, but after taking on that expense, I'm earning an extra $2,200 a month, so I'm earning $1,700 a month more in profit. Now, um, that can be hard to calculate, and it can be unknowable up front, so that was a pretty like cut-and-dried situation, but what if it's just that I do a little bit of invoicing and this and that, you know, maybe an hour to a month, like there really isn't too much of that. Uh, what am I going to do with that extra hour to a month? Am I really going to have an extra billable hour? So that can get a little bit um, nuanced, I guess. And you do have to kind of place bets. And um, the the way I'll talk about that is um, in a framework of looking at what's likely and also kind of like reducing your cognitive overhead. So this is where this piece of advice that I hear comes in, albeit, um, I'll give it with some qualifications where, like, if it's not your superpower or um, if it's not what people pay you to do, you want to outsource it. That doesn't mean that you should. It doesn't mean that it's cost effective to do it. But if you're a freelance um, graphic designer, again, let's say, ideally, if you could justify it, you would want to try to get everything off your plate that wasn't the graphic design piece, depending on what you were trying to do. I'm saying that if your goal is to be a technician sort of freelancer, where you're um, trying to do as much value-add freelancing in your capacity as a freelancer as possible, if you were looking to build a business, uh, I would have different advice, and that's probably a topic for another video. But basically, what I'm getting at here is in an ideal world, you would want to delegate things like bookkeeping, invoicing, tax prep, um, you know, maybe even some customer service functions, um, some account management functions, uh, some sales and outreach, that type of stuff. Uh, All of that, you might not be especially good at. You might be able to find and pay someone that was better at it than you. And in that freed up time, you might, one, be able to have more billable hours, or two, be able to invent some kind of process improvement in your deliverable that makes you more efficient. And this really uh, rings true if you start to get away from hourly billing, like if you're doing a productized service or value-based pricing now, by getting all this um, stuff off of your plate and out of your head, you can really start to think about how you can deliver more value with your core business and be more profitable. So um, to kind of bring it back to what I was talking about there, that's hard to know about. And so to some degree, when you're placing uh, a bet that you know, hiring somebody to do your books, or hiring somebody to you know do uh, customer inquiries and respond to them before it comes to you or whatever, you are betting on yourself that you're going to be able to take that freed up time and do something valuable with it. If you have good time management skills and you've been freelancing for a while and, and you're um, uh, responsible and such, that's probably a good bet. If you hit, uh, historically struggle with time management, if you procrastinate and screw around and watch videos when you're not under the gun, then there's a decent chance you're just going to pay someone and that person's going to free up time for you to screw around and you know now you're just spending money. So uh, you definitely want to approach it from a framework of, I'm about to spend some money and that's okay, but what am I going to do with the time that's freed up? How am I going to um, use that time that's freed up to create more value in this business than I'm paying for? And that's not an easy question to answer. So you would want to kind of think through that, maybe even jot down like activities that you might do in that time and how would they trace to additional revenue? Are you going to take that freed up time to do more outreach and relationship building and thus have a better book of business and more clients that you can charge more to? Then sure, that's a good bet to place. Are you going to do it to, um, you know, spend some time building up your site and putting content on there that's going to draw traffic and leads in? It's probably a good bet. So as long as you have kind of a path to doing that, and as long as you're, I would also think in terms of like, what's an off ramp? So if you hire a bookkeeper and, you know, your revenue doesn't change in the slightest over the course of three months, then maybe you take that back over yourself. Um, so you would also want to define when you've made a, a hire or brought in a vendor or something and it's not really doing what you needed it to do. Um, there is one other category of overhead hire that I'll mention here. Uh, that probably if you're experienced, you might be screaming at me mentally that I'm leaving out. And that is where this uh, person that you're hiring has expertise that you lack and that you could face plant lacking that expertise. So I'm looking at legal. I'm looking at tax prep. If you don't know the first thing about tax prep and you've incorporated it as like a C corp or something, I wouldn't advise that you do that yourself. And that's not necessarily a um, trade-off of freeing up your time on overhead for more valuable things. That's You might screw up your taxes, and and that's a whole world of pain. So there are um, services that you probably ought to pay where you, if you're being honest with yourself, um, look at this and say, I don't think I can DIY this. Now, that's going to vary by people. Um, Like, for instance, I'm stubborn. So over the years, (laughs) I figured out how to do a lot of tax prep. Um, I read, still to this day, will often read and mark up legal contracts, even though I'm not a lawyer. Um, and I'm not saying that as a boast. It's probably, frankly, not the best idea. But it is something you could do. But you could look at it and say, I just don't have a head for figures. And so right from the get-go, I'm going to assume that it will be far less of a mess if I pay someone to do my bookkeeping and taxes. And that's just gotta. <clears throat> that's just how it's got to be. So that is the final piece of the puzzle. You should absolutely hire, delegate, or you know, bring out a vendor or whatever um, when you aren't able to DIY and do any kind of serviceable job at it. When you just really shouldn't be responsible for that. Um, so that's kind of my advice there. And uh, one thing I'll kind of wrap uh, saying, you know, retroactively is when I'm talking about hiring in general, I'm talking about um, just paying people, whether it's a vendor or like a part-time virtual assistant that you hire and pay, you know, $15 an hour to do a handful of tasks. Uh, I don't mean bringing on a salaried exempt employee. I'm talking about, you know, maybe bringing on a firm to handle something like a tax firm or a part-time worker or a contractor or whatever, just anybody that you're giving money to to do stuff for your business. Uh, So, yeah, that's kind of my take on when you should hire help. Um, Just to recap, when it's subcontracting and you're on the revenue side of the ledger, kind of just as much as you're comfortable with it, the more of that you do, the more business you can sell, the more profit you can earn. So um, that's just, you know, do you feel comfortable managing this and is it working out? Uh, On the overhead side of the ledger, it's really then going to be number one, When can you justify getting stuff off your plate and freeing up your time? Do you have a path uh, towards a bet you're making where you think that if you got this off your plate, you could add a lot more value, uh, more revenue than it costs? And then finally, when you're just not qualified to do the thing, but your business needs it to survive. I think for most people, that's going to be legal and taxes first and foremost. Others might just have no head for... bookkeeping or sending invoices or setting up a website or something. So whatever it is, if you're looking at that and thinking, nope, not me, um, then yeah, probably you want to outsource that and just factor that into your uh, business's costs and your prospects for having your own practice. Uh, So yeah, that's it. Um, Hopefully that is interesting and somewhat enlightening for someone out there, and uh, I will catch you all next time.